Hi, this is The Recovering Perfectionist. I'm Claire Barton and you're in the right place at the right time. If you're starting to feel like some of your perfectionism is really getting in the way of you moving forward, getting started or finishing anything, this is absolutely the right show for you. This is rehab for your perfectionism, baby. So grab yourself a glass of wine or a cuppa and let's get stuck into it. So I've got the amazing Delaney Van Balen, who is a bookkeeper and accounting software specialist, aka my saviour and genius, and I absolutely love you. Hi, Delaney. Hi. (laughs) Great to have you here. So I'm just going to, today, this um, episode's a little bit different to some of the others. So um, Delaney and I worked together over the course of several months earlier in 2016, um, setting up my... Um, finance systems for my personal banking or my personal finances and my business accounts, um, two business accounts and subsequently my husband's business account as well. And I'm completely obsessed with Delaney. She's absolutely amazing for so many reasons, including all of her bookkeeping and finance bits and pieces. Um, But we're actually going to be talking about something a little bit different today. But first of all, I guess, um, Delaney, tell us about what it is that you do and and who you are and what's your business. Sure. Hi. Hi. I my background is accounting and software from for, for decades. It's what I did at uni. It's what I've always done. Yeah. Um, in the last twelve months, I've sort of made the conscious decision to focus in a different area, and and I do um, specialize in online businesses now, so service based businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that all from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I occasionally get to meet a client in real life, which is very <laughs> cool. Um, but basically I do a couple of things. I generally find people come to me when they've tried to set up their own accounting software and that's a specialised in zero, but also wave. They've tried to do it. They've been invoicing clients, but they've just all of a sudden gone, do you know what? This is not working. It's a mess. I don't think, uh, I'm doing it properly. I'm a bit embarrassed or whatever. Um, and that's when they come to me and say, I'm not sure. Help me understand. I don't know if it's right or so we generally do what I call a tidy up, what we did a bit with you. We go through, we fix it up, we, yeah. we put some practices in place to make it nicer going forward. Yeah. Um, and then we do a range of things. Sometimes they're good to go and do it themselves and just they've got the odd question on in the background for them to jump in. Um, some people it turns into me actually doing their bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's generally the starting point. People sort of in second second year of their business where things are just getting serious and they're ready to really, you know, do this properly and understand their numbers yeah. and not just do it historically and be crunching the numbers because you have to because it's, tax time or bass time or something like that it's because you want to in, in real time know where your business is and make you know make informed decisions financially about your business and yeah stuff. Totally. And just to try and make it not scary and horrible like I think there's a lot of people out there who they start a business and then great at what they do mm. and they've got a niche market or an unusual skill or an unusual business idea or whatever but they don't want to think about the admin and the finance side and then it falls over because they just and it's not that yeah, their business idea wasn't the the side. <laughs> exactly they yeah. just didn't do that and I just want to make people realize that don't do that like if you do that you're setting yourself up to fail yeah. really yeah. make this thing that you're great at and love work yeah by putting some stuff in place as early as possible and honestly some people it's I've got some clients where I do like an hour a month bookkeeping yeah and it's not huge it's just getting it in place and making it tick over and it's not expensive mm. um and once it's in place and working, it's really easy to maintain. So yeah, totally. And I'm I'm such a big fan of um, of Wave, as you know. But even just having a system like um, mm. I, used to, I used to just use an Excel spreadsheet, and I'm a bit of an Excel spreadsheet geek. So I had lots of beautiful formulas and color codes and automation mm-hmm. bits and pieces because I'm a total Excel geek. But just yeah. having that sort of thing is just so much more empowering. I think, like you said, you know, it's not just about 
running a PL report once a month or once a quarter and then sticking it in a folder never to be seen again. It's really about yeah. informing decisions and understanding yeah. where you're at and can you afford to buy that next thing that you want to buy or yeah. um, is it time to up your prices or all that sort of thing. It can really inform so much strategic stuff in your business that's not just, oh, okay, that's how much money I did or didn't make last month, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... And, um, and sometimes it's really great as well. With some of the systems, you can run reports where you can compare like this month or this quarter or whatever right. to the same quarter last, last year. year. And yeah. sometimes it's really great to go, do you know what? Actually, even though I feel busy and I'm a bit frazzled and I, and I don't think I'm where I want to be, actually, compared to this time last year, look where I am, look what right. I've done, what I've yep. achieved, you know, like yep. that as well would make that time, even if it's just, you know, like a 10-minute conversation with me every quarter, just yeah. to sit and focus on it for a minute and look back and appreciate what you've done and what changes you put in place to make the business be profitable and be generating money yeah. for you as a person, not yeah, just totally. with expenses. Absolutely. And I think that whole kind of um, celebration and acknowledgement, because we do get stuck, and I talk about this a lot, we do get stuck yeah. in this perpetual moving forward, which is awesome. And I'm all for moving forward and, and yeah. keeping on doing the next thing and that sort of thing. But it means that we sometimes don't stop and smell the roses and go, oh, yeah, I've actually had a really great month or I'm improving or look where I was a year ago and look where I'm now. Exactly. Um, and, I, yeah, I think that's really a really critical thing. It's not just about, um, you know, what we probably all have some experiences with in our jobs in the past where you've literally yeah. just had to do a report because it was on your list of things to do. Yeah. For a meeting, you read one line and then it gets shredded or filed never to be seen yeah i moved so, on to the next thing you're supposed to be yeah, talking about. yeah yeah awesome and i'm like that for myself as well like not the money side because i love nothing better than having to sit down <laughs> and like do my own bookkeeping but like it's things like for me like getting having legal client agreements in place and having um a client process and having a process of when a client finishes what we roll mm-hmm. and do and what i communicate with them and and marketing and having my Facebook page being looked after and all that kind of stuff like for me to sit here now and compare back to where i was 12 months ago it's like actually i have you know, I'm looking forward to what I want to do or what I haven't done yet, but I've, I've achieved heats as, as well. Like, so I, yeah. I understand what it's like for people. And some of the scary stuff for me is the marketing and the Facebook and all that, yeah. whereas the money side's easy. So I yeah. can completely more and more relate to how people feel because I feel like that just about. Right. Yeah. So stick to your yeah. zone of genius and get Dee to do your books. Seriously. Yeah. It yeah. Will absolutely <laughs> save so much time and effort. So I absolutely love that. However, and you just give me the opportunity to do what I love doing. I know, right? Well, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. and, um, Delaney also runs a Facebook group, which has been absolutely fantastic to just jump in and ask some questions every now and then without having to kind of track down um, an accountant or a you know a bookkeeper one-on-one and all that sort of thing so it's an awesome support um, network as well which I love and I'm sure everyone else in there as well um, yeah, just recently there's a few bookkeepers in there as well so I've just got recently got them all to put their hands up and say what they do <laughs> and what they specialize in because I don't specialize yeah. in everything. I don't work with QuickBooks and MYOB and I don't yeah. work with legal I don't so I want to know what other people do as well because if someone asks a question I don't know the answer to I can tag them in and I'll answer because you know, everyone wants to help each other out. So Absolutely. I love I'm it. Hoping to move more towards all that as well. Very helpful. Beautiful. So yeah. all that aside, that's awesome and I love your numbers mm-hmm. thing and we can totally geek out over um, Excel spreadsheet and numbers and reports and that sort of thing. However, the other super interesting thing about you is that you have done lots of traveling and you've been that, um, you've lived that laptop lifestyle and the mobilepreneur thing, which is kind of a hot topic at the moment. Um, yeah. I first um, came across you, you were living in Bali with your two little kids. 
your husband was doing FIFO, so you were often there by yourself for several weeks at a time and that sort of thing. Um, and I think we kind of bonded over that a little bit as well because my husband, although I wasn't in yeah. Bali or overseas, my husband was yeah. also doing FIFO at the time. So I totally yeah. understood that whole, you know, by yourself for three weeks, then he's back for a month and that whole different dynamic it brings to the relationship and that sort of thing. Um, but something Absolutely. that um, I really wanted to have a chat with you today about is um, that whole laptop lifestyle and is it actually a thing or is it a myth? Like, you know, there's a lot of people sort of <clears throat> doing the laptop lifestyle and they use the hashtag laptop lifestyle on Instagram while they're lying back mm-hmm. next to the pool and they've got the beautiful white bikini on and they're perfectly polished nails and they're drinking a glass of wine at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to call bullshit. I see, I feel like, like that's probably an option, but what's the other option when you're doing it with kids and... Mm-hmm. You know, what is it actually? That, that woman, that woman, that woman doesn't have kids. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That woman yeah. doesn't have kids. Yeah. So I, I always say to people, because we, before what started the Bali thing, just is before Bali, my husband with his existing job got seconded to a new role in South Korea for nine months. That's right. Yeah. So I already had some bookkeeping clients that I knew really well. I'd worked with for a long time and they were already on zero. Mm-hmm. So, um, was easy to have a conversation with them and move. Um, I'd already, when my second child was born, had started working a bit more at home for them and like going in maybe once every second week rather than every week, whatever the case may be. So it was kind of an easy decision to have to move to that overseas thing. And Korea was only one hour time difference to Perth, where we lived mm-hmm. at the time where all my clients were. So it was kind of easy. Um, but I think I always say, look, no matter where you live, if you've got kids, a giant chunk of your life is still the same. You've still yeah. got a feed them and clean them and entertain them and take them here and pick them up. And like, there's still a huge amount of admin that goes on just with having children, yeah, no sure. matter where you live in the world. Yeah. Um, so we had it initially in Korea, which is a very slightly, is a very different environment um, to being in Bali. Um, I was sort of a little bit isolated because all the other mums said they were all there because their husbands were there for work and they all did taekwondo or hiking or they all, <laughs> and I was kind of always, I was always like, making excuses because I just wanted to go sit home and look at my computer and do <laughs> um, yeah. and, so, and that was great but we had a little bit of help then I didn't have it didn't do a huge amount of work then maybe like 10 something hours a week yeah um, the move to Bali was sort of on my husband's bucket list and it was mm-hmm. something we decided to do that whilst we were in Korea uh, everything was packed up the house was rented sure. out everything yeah. was in if he's going to want to do this Bali thing, let's do it now. Do it now. And after finishing the Sakomen in Korea, he, we, he went on to the FIFO stage of the project. Right, okay. So we, we went there um, and, it, like, Bali is amazing if you like the heat. So personally <laughs> I struggle with the humidity. Yeah. But, I mean, it's definitely doable. And, and I think in Bali the difference is, is it's the kind of place where you can get help. Kids, You, you can easily hire someone that drops mm-hmm. your children and picks them up you can easily hire someone who does your grocery shopping you can easily have someone that comes in and that's kind of what's expected as an expat like if you go and do all of that stuff yourself you're sort of frowned upon by the locals because you could be there supporting another family sure yeah yeah okay so the reality i think of doing it in bali is probably a bit clearer than in Mm -hmm. other countries Mm. you have got that network of employment opportunities for people to take all of that day-to-day stuff yeah um, and I could definitely do it. I could, I could take my laptop. I could take them, you know, I could go work from wherever I want and I could jump on my scooter, which I love doing and go wherever I want. But the mechanics was like, I had to get the kids to school. If my husband yeah. was away, get the kids to school, 
two school bags on a scooter. Where's my laptop go? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I ended up finding that I did work from home a little bit more than being a bit sort of, oh, today I'm going to work here. Yes. Um, And the reality of what I do is working a lot with some raw data and moving them into another system. Like I've I've got two screens. Okay. I always struggle to work just with my laptop. Yeah, sure. What I'm doing. Yeah. Without having that. Um, So the reality was, and I did go, there was a, like a co-working space in Bali that I worked from a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where I got introduced to all the online groups and all that kind of stuff because I actually met. Oh, cool. yeah, that's and Melanie Migdens and then Tash Corbin and I met them in Bali and oh, that was right. kind of my introduction. I didn't know this whole ah. online world. So it opened up to this idea yeah. I had of niching down into a new area but without knowing how to find those people. So, Interesting. Um, I mean, I think for me the struggle in Bali was the heat. So the yeah. humidity hit me and on a good day I was grumpy because of the heat. <laughs> so, um but the reality of getting stuff done, and I actually also had an accident in Bali and broke my ankle, so that in itself right. would be difficult because my husband was yes. away at work. But we had we had someone that worked at the house, and she just started. She'd come early and she'd pick the kids up and help get them ready and take them to school and yeah, cool. do the grocery shopping for me. And you know, so I definitely had that support network. I probably wouldn't have even been able to handle that doing that at home. Even if I was at home and my mum came and helped, for example, she would have to not be at work to help me. Whereas this yeah. her job was to help us. Yeah. So we just increased the hours and she did a bit more until Corey got home and could sort of take over. Yeah, right. Um so yeah, I mean the real the, the other issue in Bali is the internet. So yes. It wasn't reliable. Um, sometimes the power would just randomly go out. Um, and we, I know lots of places had really, so lots of places have really great internet if it's working. Right, okay, yep. When it's Whereas on, ours it's always worked. <laughs> when it's on, it's great. When it's off, it's, you're bugging. It's off, yeah. Mine right. was slightly different. Mine was always on. It was just super temperamental. Okay. And my problem more was power would go off because we lived in an area where there was lots of construction going on and new okay. villas being built. They would just turn the power off because they were doing something on another villa and then I would never mow them. So, the, yeah. Yeah, right. So that okay. was the reality of it. And also the, the, the visa requirements over there is that you've got to um, either, there's two main types of visas people have. You can either have one where you've got to leave every 60 days and then you have to go to another country, get a visa and come back. Lots of people do what's called a visa run and just go to Singapore for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. There was visa officers in Singapore that will process them for you within like, 24 hour turnaround time so you okay. go and put them in one day go back into bali on a new visa all oh, right yeah the other option is that you find a sponsor so you pay that it's kind of like it's like a almost like a lawyer kind of associated role but you found these sponsor people mm-hmm. and they they basically put their name against yours and saying these these people are responsible and will do what they do they're saying yeah. they won't do anything illegal or anything wrong yeah. and then you sort of pay them for the privilege okay and then you can stay for six months but every six months you have to leave yeah right so that was the other thing for me with the kids it made more sense to be on the six month one mm. So, um, and the cost of living over there, it's, it's cheap, but as soon as you want to live somewhere with a pool, it's a bit more expensive. You've got to pay the visas. If you've yep. got stuff at home in storage, you've got to pay those, you've got to pay those flights to leave the country yeah. every six months and stuff like that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Cause as you know, we were planning on doing the same sort of thing, um, from about now for a year or so, we were planning on going to Asia for maybe six months and then Europe and for various reasons, we haven't ended up doing that with, um, Glenn's new job, my husband's new job and that sort of thing. Um, but it's really intrigued me and and I guess I'm sort of similar to you that I I probably up until about a year ago I had no idea really of this 
online business world and um, kind of how it works and what the dynamics were and that it was an option that I didn't have to kind of um, advertise in newspapers or online things that that were you know in in um, comparison quite um, antiquated like yeah. what we sort of do now so I was always yeah. really interested to know kind of how it works because it sounds very romantic and you can just jump on a plane I'm just going to go to Bali this week and then next month I might go to Thailand and then after that I'm going to duck over to Europe and spend a week in Spain and then like it's you know it sounds fantastic and I think um I think it's totally doable but there's there's so many other different sort of layers that when you get um start to look at the practicalities of it it's kind of like you know um you've got to weigh up the pros and cons especially when you've got kids um Absolutely. Something that, that started to kind of freak me out when we were thinking about the Europe thing is we'd sort of planned it, we'd sort of worked out, you know, we'd go to Bali for the three months, then Thailand for the three months, then um, America for a month, then Cuba, then um, Turkey, and then spend the rest of the time kind of travelling through Europe. And it didn't really occur to me until about two months into this process about the time difference. I was like, yeah. how's that even going to work? Because... Um, yeah. you know, I guess it, I guess it had kind of entered my mind, but I hadn't really processed it in a really practical way because most of my clients are in Australia. I do have a couple in like the UK and South Africa, and it's difficult enough mm-hmm. now trying to sort of work out those just with those, those ones. And I'm either having to jump on Skype really late at night or early in the morning or something like that. And, you know, yeah. on the odd occasion, that's fine, but I was like, that's my, my bread and butter. And that's what's supporting us to do the travel. That means that yeah. the time that I'm there, I'm probably going to be working at times when I would rather be spending time with the kids. So it's sort of like, you know, and then I thought maybe I can try and transfer my marketing um, efforts and, and focus more on groups that are over in Europe or something like that. But it was just, yeah. it was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment, I think, for me, where I kind of went, oh, it's not actually just as simple as putting our stuff in storage, getting our visas and going. Like it's, yeah, you know what I mean. There's kind of a balancing act, so it doesn't. I don't think it has to be as difficult as some people make it out to be, but I don't think it's as easy as a lot of people make it out to be either. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like personally, I like moving around, but I also like putting roots down. So I know they right. sound like two mutually exclusive concepts, but go somewhere new, but then get it set up and sorted there, and and mm. and, and get a basis and a network rather than just continue and, and unpack our bags and all that kind of stuff. Right, and actually um, kind of move in. And settle in and get to know people in the area and all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely, I mean, I find it difficult like, because we've just now moved to Melbourne. I'm, I'm, I'm so used to always being in the time zone behind everyone. I'm used to waking up in the morning and all the emails I sent last night have all already been replied and I can sit at my desk and start working. But you know, it's the opposite. I wake up, no one else has woken up. Yeah, yet, right. Yeah. Well, I'm probably awake, let's be honest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the other thing with the kids as well is, you, if if they're school age and you even only if you're doing it for a couple of months, like you kind of you need to keep them occupied. So whether that is because right. you're staying somewhere long enough to put them into a school or some kind of kindy or whatever options exist. So we had lots of options in Bali for and Korea a little bit as well. Lots of options for our primary school age child, mm-hmm. but for our daughter that was about she was 15 months old when we left Australia and she's three and a half now. But mm. she. There wasn't many options for that. So in Korea, yeah. you didn't really send, there was no daycare. There was no nothing yeah. until like three. And in, mm-hmm. even in Bali, there was no, it was presumed that you like would have. Daycare. A nanny yeah, have like a nanny at the yeah. house. But that didn't work for me because if the nanny was at the house and, and I'm trying to work, she just wanted to come in and hang out with me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 
So, so you need to either stay somewhere long enough for the children to have somewhere where they can go to, or you've got to be doing it yourself, you know, doing the entertainment and the homeschooling to whatever level that is, activities or painting yeah, or drawing sure. or spelling. Yeah. Or the age. That's a big chunk of your time where you think, well, I would just sit down and work. But if the kids are around, mm. even if dad's there and the, even then, you know, the plan is, well, I'm working, but I'm working from home. Dad's here. They still know I'm home. They want to come and see what I'm yeah. doing. And my yeah. little one, she should if you know someone's on Skype, like she's at, she's at um, kindy, she, it's Saturday. She's with uh, she's out with her dad today. But she um she would come in and be saying hi. Like she thought yeah. that was part, like she thought that was her job. Her job so was to did. come in and go, oh, <laughs> I'm talking to her. I'm yeah. say hi. Yeah. Um, so there's that from a time point of view as well. Like you think, oh, yeah, I can just go and work what I want. But really you've got to have the kids, you know, nothing's yeah. going to happen until they're entertained and sorted and looked up. Yeah, and look, I think it probably, you know, there's probably families and kids out there who it depends on the children. Like my kids are exactly the same. They're very much, they want to be involved more. Like if, if my husband's here, they're happy to kind of do their own thing and they won't bother me too much if I'm um, doing yeah. like a call or something in my bedroom, for example, which is super professional, yeah. doing a call with my yeah. bed in the background. But, um, but I know that there are some kids out there who are like, super they they couldn't they couldn't really care less if their mum was there or not so there's you know totally different kind of dynamics in that in that sort of family as well and it depends I guess also on your own kind of philosophy on or your own style on the balance and blend thing like are you cool with working while your kids are sitting on your lap or does that really not work for you or you know all that sort of thing And, and everyone's completely different with it so I think that's really interesting so I'm interested to know um how did being in in places especially like Bali I suppose because you were there a bit longer than Korea right or I guess with both of them how would you say um that kind of lifestyle that laptop lifestyle and being in a different country um with a different culture and different challenges with the internet and that sort of thing how did it overall um impact your business um I think in in I mean definitely the Bali thing was a major difference, but that was because of the people I met there that opened mm. my my eyes to all these groups yeah. that were in and how I could like advertising a newspaper, you kind of it's a bit of a cold, you don't know who's gonna read it or who's gonna right. see it. Whereas dealing in business groups where you know that everyone is online or solo based business or service based business, you know, depending on the group that you're in, you already know their niche kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um that was definitely a little bit easier. Um I found Bali definitely, because initially we went to Bali, the area we picked to go in Bali, which was Ubud, was because of the school that was there. Okay. Yeah. And and I was, and all the other thing I knew about Ubud was the the health, the, the yoga and the vegan yeah. and the yeah. tree hugging. And I was just like, I'm an accountant. Where am I going to fit in? <laughs> so in doing some, doing some Googling and researching a few things about it, I actually by mistake came across his co-working space. Yes. Um which then there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are based out of these areas and also increasingly in other areas of Bali as well. So I knew that I was going to a place where there was business environment and an entrepreneurial slant to Mm -hmm. it. So all the parents that are at school, I like, I think because my kids were at school number four now, hopefully we'll be here for a while, Mm -hmm. I've sort of had the chance to be the new school mum four times. Yeah, right. Um, and I know I just was like, I don't want to come to school and talk to the same lady about the same things yesterday. Like, I really like you, but I've got to run because I've got stuff to do. Yeah. And I always found I was always avoiding people at the schools but, and, <laughs> and careers as well. But Bali was great because everyone else had their own stuff going on. Okay. So, A, you could just nip in and nip out if that's what you needed to do that day because everyone else knew that they might have a day. 
they were they need to do that. Also, there was a it wasn't just the mums. The dads are there doing the school runs, and you know we had friends up the road. She was Chinese, but had grown up in the UK, and he was English. And she worked for a big Chinese um, payment processing software company, which mainly sold their software to online gambling sites in China, wow. which is a new big area. So she travelled a lot, like one to two weeks every month. She was in Vietnam or the Philippines yeah, right. or whatever, and he, he was home with the kids. So there was a lot of that stuff as well. So you would go to school and there was lots of dads at school yeah. and all that kind of and then there was also lots of really interesting business conversations to have. So whether it was something that you specifically related to, there was just someone out there starting a new cafe or a new venture or a new this, and it was just really interesting conversations to be had. Yeah, I've heard there's quite a buzz up there. Where I'm going for holiday in December and, and was spend the first week or so up there, so I'm really keen to kind yeah. of understand that. And yeah. I think that's um, I think it's a really interesting thing that possibly. Um, and like I said, I haven't done it, but in my perception and people I see do it, because you're already kind of out of your comfort zone, you almost um, are more open to those sorts of interesting mm. conversations or, or situations or opportunities that you, if you were, you know, sitting at home in Brisbane like I am, you kind of just yep. in your own groove, you're in your, your routine, your schedule, so you're not, you almost got your blinkers on sometimes to yeah. sort of so comfortable you just do what you do. But when you're already in a different country or, and you're already around different people and you've kind of, um, your, your senses and your, everything's a little bit more heightened because you've just got to be a bit more on your toes because you're, you know, not in the complete comfort zone that you're not, that you're used to, that yep. these sort of things, um, do tend to happen. And I'm really interested for places like that, that it does seem to be such a hub and that there are lots of people who, um, have just had enough with the, you know, living in the suburbs and that sort of thing in Australia. So they're after a bit of a change and, if they can make it work with their family and, and their um, time and their travel and lifestyle and all of that sort of thing, it's actually a really great opportunity. Like you said, you've got um, affordability can be so much better to have like a higher quality of life in in so many ways yeah. and also to be contributing to, you know, other families and employing other locals yeah. and that sort of thing. And I absolutely yeah. love what that, the opportunity that that has in a twofold. So, you know, for our kids to be able to, see a different culture and a different way yeah. of living and it, you yeah. know appreciate the the difference and and some um worldly education you know that they wouldn't maybe get so much if they were at home or something like that so I think it's it's just intrigues me and I can't wait to give it a go at some point I don't know when it's going to be now but um, I'm super excited about it yeah and the other thing about that as well is uh Firstly, you're in an environment, especially in Bali, you're in an environment where you're just not the new person as well. Like everyone else mm. has been the new person recently as well. Yes, there were some maybe longer-term residents or people over there where one of the parents was Balinese, so that was kind right. of their home for the future. Yeah. But a big part of it was everyone else knew what it was like to be new and everyone else, it wasn't like you just rocked up in a new area in Brisbane or you were <laughs> in Melbourne and you're the new yeah. person and you don't know anything. But everyone else has already got their life that they've always had. Mm. It was a lot. You met people quite easily and everyone was super happy to share conversations. There was a there was a Facebook page for parents of the school. So if you yeah. wanted to know where do I get this, everyone was more than happy to jump yeah, on cool. and advice yeah. and stuff like that. It's so you had that support different. network. Yeah, and I think it's um, that sort of transient um, population. I grew up in Darwin and Darwin's very transient as well, probably not so much as Bali, obviously, but there's a lot of tourists in, you know, in the certain season, in the dry season, 
Um, mm. There's a lot of like um, foreigners and that sort of thing, but then there was a lot of army and a lot of project and that sort of thing. So a lot of people were only there for six months, 12 months, two years, and then there was this thing. Yeah. So it was just I think that's probably what kind of breeds that culture of laid back but also let's look after each other because we haven't got sick of each other yet. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, exactly. but you know what it's like to be the new person and, and, yeah. and a, a day or two with no contact is a bit scary, you know, rather than right. going, well, they're new, we'll let them settle in because I've done that. I've, I Before I had kids and I met my husband and all that stuff, I've also travelled and worked overseas yeah. just and I'm in, I moved to a country and their, their philosophy on it all and their cultural thing was we'll let you settle in first, <laughs> then we'll invite you to stuff and then we'll include you in stuff. But there's right. just me for weeks on end with no one to talk no, to outside no of work. Like oh, someone, please, yeah, what's right. going on? Yeah, so there's that different culture as well. But also you haven't just got the culture of the country that you're in, mm. but all the expats from That's all so the true. other areas. Yeah. So like in and also there was a lot of, especially in Korea, well, I guess both countries, the whole expat thing was the mixture of nationalities of the parents. Yeah. So my older daughter, she was like, well, you know, dad's from Australia and mum's from Australia and I'm from Australia and that's boring. super boring. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in, 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 in Korea, um, one of her good friends was mum was Chinese and dad was Danish. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. She loved that. And then she, we had a mixture of friends in um, Bali where dad was Balinese and mum was American or yeah. dad was Australian and mum was Balinese or, ja- yeah. or Javanese. Um, and then there was um, the American family, which dad was actually Japanese and they had an adopted daughter uh, from Nepal. Wow. So, yeah. And, and then also and the school we went to actually sponsored children from the local area to go to the school. Fabulous. So, so my daughter from a young age has learned it doesn't matter where you're from, mm. what colour your skin is, where yep. your parents are from, what your cultural beliefs are, how much your money, how much money you have. Mm-hmm. We can go out and play because ah, so good. I've got goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah, and I really, really love that. That, yeah. that I want her. To, it's an, I don't. I want her to grow up knowing because where we're living now. I didn't know this the other day. I went into a local cafe, and the guy that works in the cafe is maybe Middle Eastern looking, mm-hmm. and I looked at him and I went. I've not seen a not white person. Yeah, yeah. After living in Bali, there's just this melting pot of cultures. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my god, I live in like white middle class Australia. Yeah. Like it was a yeah. weird realization I hadn't noticed. So, I yeah. think, and a lot of kids probably do that, you know, especially mm. depending on where that is. So I love that. She, I mean, my little one to a certain extent, but she's probably going to forget about it. Yeah. But my older one definitely totally gets up it. On. Who's from here? And she's there. Remember this happened. And remember that happened. And remember, you know, what being adopted means. And I've actually yeah. got some really good friends from years and years ago, like 20 years ago, and they can't have children. And they've adopted a little girl from Ethiopia who is wow. seven, six, about six months younger than my daughter. Yeah. So they've been to visit us and we've had holidays with them jointly and stuff like that. And she knows about, you know, what being adopted means and, um, and all that stuff. And they, they don't speak the same language. Yeah. My daughter doesn't speak Danish and their daughter doesn't speak any English. They cannot speak a word and, yet, and they're having play. a great time off running around and swimming and watching yeah. music videos on YouTube and dancing. They can't speak a word the same. Beautiful. You know, so oh, I think I, I really, yeah. I I really love that I want my child to grow up in a country where it's not just about us because we live in a pretty amazing country amazing. and I don't think until you've experienced some stuff outside of it. Yeah. I mean, 
people saying, oh, I don't want to pay tax and this and oh, but, but I live Bali, in Bali. You don't, no one pays tax. And I can tell you that it shows. Yeah. You, can <laughs> what the, you know, you've got to yeah. pay to go to school in Bali. If you can't afford to send your children to school, your children don't go to school. Even the local little government schools, are, you pay. It's like $50 a month, but for Balinese, that's a lot of money. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and the roads and the, the issues with the dogs and the traffic yeah. and, you know, the infrastructure and no such thing as rubbish collection. They burn yeah. their rubbish or they put it in the, the closest river. Yeah. So I can tell you what it's like and, and to say to my daughter, well, that's why Bali's like that because of this and understand yeah. that in Australia we have all of this and yeah. we do have the government and we pay tax, but this is what it's used for and school's yeah. free and all this kind of stuff. It's so interesting and I think that that kind of um, understanding at a young age about just the differences and and that there's always a payoff. So, you know, yes, we we pay taxes and we have probably a higher standard of living in in some ways but we also pay a lot more for everything. Um, And, you know, some people would argue that we're much more segregated because we're here, we have like a house and all of our kids live in different rooms and all that sort of thing. Whereas in that sort of a culture, it's much more about family and looking after and you'll have several generations living in the same house, if not the same room and that sort of thing. So always different payoffs. Um, I think yeah. the kids to understand that at such a young age is absolutely like, how can you, how can you top that sort of thing? You know, I, people kept saying, yeah. what about, what about school for, for my, um, my son's supposed to start school in 2018. And we were like, yeah, if he's, if he's a couple of years late and he's gotten all of this yeah. other social and, worldly and environmental understanding like yeah you know totally cool yeah and that, exactly and that world that world education is just as important as the reading and the writing totally. and the, and the yeah. schooling part of it like yeah. you can catch up on the schooling but you can't really catch up on that so true I don't know what the word but yeah just that from a young age knowing that the world's yeah. a big place and there's nothing wrong with being different and there's nothing wrong with not understanding what someone's saying or you know like yeah and it's yeah that's really really so yeah that's awesome I've loved um chatting with you about that tell me what would be your top couple of tips for anyone who's thinking about trying out somewhere like Asia um with, with children perhaps and they've got a business what what sort of things would you say are the top things to kind of yeah, to, to make it more yeah. of a smooth transition and all of that. Yeah. So definitely um, think about what you, what sort of parent you are and how you're going to parent. So if you're the kind of parent that wants to be involved in your children's life and be there and have them home with maybe staff or all that kind of stuff, think about how that's going to affect your work day as well. Yeah, yeah. And think about whether that, knowing that, well, if they are, if, if I am the kind, like I was, I, I was much better when the kids weren't home. I would not really work when they were home. It just wasn't really possible. And yeah. I couldn't focus and muck something's bookkeeping up. That's the last thing I want to do. So um, then that means that you've got to pick a country where you can settle for a little while so the kids can go to school. You know, you're not just going to jump up and go to school for a week or two and then move and move and move. So, yeah. And then look at what schools are available. And if you have got the younger, younger kids, see what you can find out about that daycare, kindy, free, you know, under three or four-year-old kind of age because that's where we got stuck in both our places that we yeah. just presumed that it would be that and there was really limited options. Well, even um, I believe even New Zealand um, don't take daycare until kids are two. Yeah, yeah, and that's what Korea was like. They didn't take mm. them until they were three. Yeah. They count how old you are in Korea is slightly different, so they count the day, the year that you're born, you're already one. There's no such thing as zero. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, 
And, but then as soon as they hit three, they all go to school. So then there was a whole, there was school buses and they'd pick them up and they'd do this. Wow. And it was amazing. Up until that, there was literally nothing. nothing. Yep. Um, and then we found something that was um, on the other side of the island where we live about a 20-minute drive away, but it had been started up purely to cater for the expat community uh-huh. that we were yep. looking for. So it was kind of filling a gap in the market. Yeah, right. Um, the other thing to look at is requirements. Like from a money point of view, you've got your living expenses and they might look good, but think about what other expenses you're going to have to incur. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have to put everything in storage at home yep. and if you've got a visa where we got stuck as well, we didn't realise we had a visa. If we left the country, our visa was void. Right. Okay, so it wasn't a multi-entry visa, it was a single okay. entry visa. So if, so if you want to base yourself in a country and... and go in and out and in and out and in and out, well, You're going to be stuck. My, <laughs> yeah, and because my husband Corey has a was having to leave every two or four weeks for work, yep. he ended up having to get a multi-entry business visa, mm-hmm. which meant that he was travelling for work, which wasn't really the truth as far as Bali went, but he was leaving the country because of work. Yeah, so that sure. meant he could come and go as he wanted and he just had to leave every 60, 30 to 60 days, but he was doing that anyway. Anyway, yeah, so, right, yeah. So, so look, look at, A, the practicalities of that and the limitations mm. it might place on you, also what it costs and factor that in as well. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Delaney. That was awesome. Thank you. I loved it. I hope everyone yeah. um, who's listening and watching has um, loved it as well. And, uh, yeah, um, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in uh, more information, particularly about your bookkeeping and um, zero and wave stuff? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm just on Facebook in the groups. I'm Delaney Sky, if you've seen me amongst any of the groups because I get getting myself confused. Um, my business is actually Delaney Van Balen is my name. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit convoluted. Um, but if you search Delaney, probably you're going to come up with something like that. Delaney right. Van Balen. <laughs> there's not too many Delaney's around. Yeah. No, there's not a huge amount Lovely. of us. So yeah, Delaney the- Sky or Delaney Van Balen, you can jump on and send me a message. And- awesome. And there'll be all the links to your website and your Facebook pages and everything in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to get in touch. Yeah. Please do. She's an absolute gem. Thank you so much, Delaney. No problem. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for speaking to me.